this is Rob Coburn, and we are excited that you're joining with us today. If you're a part of the Summit Dover family, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you via social media at the Summit Dover on all social media outlets and on our website, thesummitdover.com. We can get you plugged into our app or our YouTube channel, as well as giving options and opportunities to connect with the Summit Dover family all around the world. I hope this word today encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. So with Pastor Rob not being here, we're going to do something a little different. We've done this one other time, and it was amazing. Um, The numbers are a little different, but last time we did a six for six, where we had six people talk for six minutes on the six core values of our church. This time is going to be slightly different. We have five people, and they're going to be talking about the story of Jonah. And one of the really cool things about this is Pastor Rob wanted to highlight our worship and our media teams. So our people for today are Nate and Sabrina, Kyle, myself, and DJ. And we're going to be talking um, about Jonah. But one of the really cool things about what we have here at the summit, uh, one of the cool things about what we do here at the summit is um, we really focus on worship. If you couldn't tell, that's one of our priorities. And we have an amazing team who facilitates that really well. And the worship team and the media team are both really important to that. But one thing that it requires is a lot more than what you see on Sunday mornings. It's practice time. It's prayer. It's time in the word, quiet time with the Lord and preparing for what he wants to do on Sunday mornings. It's not just show up and do it because I wish it was that easy. No, it's good. But um, so we're going to highlight each person. So what I want to do first is we're going to go down and we're going to say why we're here at the summit and why we feel like God has called us to the ministry that we serve in. So I'll go first. I am Caitlin. I um, obviously lead worship here and I was kind of brought to the summit by my parents because I was still a child when we started coming here and it has been a really amazing opportunity to get to know you all and to walk alongside you and to um, minister with you guys and I do worship because I love Jesus (laughs) Um, and from the time I was really little I can remember being in my grandparents house and being in my house and I just sang all the time and my dad continuously was like you have to worship and like I want you to learn instruments and write songs and do all this stuff and I was like oh that sounds terrifying and then I connected with Kyle and he really helped me accelerate walking into what worship looks like and what leading worship looks like so he played a really big part in why I do what I do today go for it all right I'm Kyle Schweitzer I have been at this church and this family for 35 years, and um, I've served uh, in this church since I was a child, and and absolutely love coming here each Sunday and serving you, my family. And the importance of that is it empowers me and it keeps me on track. It keeps me on that path because I get to serve you, Steve. I get to come and I get to see you and I get to communicate with you and I get to sing and I get to lead you into worship. And and I get to work with Caitlin and I get to work with young people and continuing to get people involved and to you know understand what it means to participate versus, versus spectate and to really get empowered to make that difference in people's lives. And Steve, it makes, you make a big difference. I, I make sure I key you in, in the service each, each time. When you're here, it's missing. It's missing. When you're not here, it's missing. And when you're here, it's here. So 
that's what it means to connect with people as a family. That's good. Sabrina. Yeah, I, I agree with that. There's such a power that comes with corporate worship, and we love worshiping with all of you. Um, I'm Sabrina. We've been at the summit for probably two years now, right? Yeah, time just has flown by. It's been amazing here. Um, the Lord actually called both of us here, I would say it separately, and it's so cool when he does that because it's really a confirmation um, when you both come together as husband and wife and you're like, we need to go here. The Lord is doing something here in this place. Um, and as far as worship goes, I'd never been on a worship team before this team, and it's amazing. All I know is this team, and it's been wonderful. Um, I would say as far as worship goes, when it's something that the Lord has touched your heart on, it transcends far more from being a job. It's a passion at that point. And it's something so beautiful with worship is you just get to bask in the glory of the Lord. There's nothing like it. It's an intimate window into his heart, which has been an amazing process to learn and honestly not strive for, just soak in. So it has been amazing being in this journey with all of you. And like I said, it's far beyond a job in serving. It's, it's a passion and it's something that the Lord places on your heart. So it's been amazing. Hi, I'm uh, Nate Archer here. I do a little bit of everything. Um, I, uh, like she said, the, it was the first time in our life that, you know, I grew up going to my dad's church and kind of just following in his footsteps. And then we got married, and then we were like, where, where do you want us to go, Lord? Um, which I think is so important for all of us to do as Christians, because the Lord has a specific, body for, or a specific body of people for each and every single person on this, in this world. And um, it was such a beautiful thing how it happened. You know, we, we really prayed about it separately, and we both were like, we need to go to the summit. And it's just been amazing from there. Um, most weeks you'll find me back there doing media. Got me and DJ doing audio media. And um, it's just been great to see we have a great team that surrounds us. And um, we're able to put a lot of teachings online and get the message out there. And that's such a, in the advancement of the world, it's such a new thing. But it's so powerful and important that we can get these messages out for anybody to see. And anybody the Lord may lead to watch them. And uh, inside of that, I have found for myself, I mean, I, I really enjoy doing the media end of things, camera work, editing. I've really found a passion in that, and it's been amazing. So, Well, I'm DJ. I've been going here forever, so most of you already know. Uh, I've been going here since I was in middle school, probably. So I'm not going to date myself, but many years. Um, and I mean, I have been serving most of that time when for me, it's the fact that the Lord has given me a calling and a duty to use the gifts that he gives me, whether it's doing sound, whether it's, you know, helping with media, whether it's whatever the case may be, um, he has given me not just here, but throughout my life, many gifts of things, and I want to steward those well. So for me, serving is more of not just coming here on Sundays and making sure everything sounds right, but making sure 
that there's things are running smoothly that there's no issues that will interrupt what he wants to do in the mornings so yeah. I guess I'm going first so we, uh, Pastor Rob asked us to uh, study the book of Jonah uh, over this past week and kind of just independently study it and just see what happens. So here we are. We're going to see what happens uh, because we didn't, you know, combine any of our messages. So we're just going to share with what, what God uh, put on our hearts. And I am kind of a note guy, so I'm going to pull this up real quick. Um, I kind of stuck around chapter one, which isn't like the most fun uh, of it, but I, I would tell you that something stuck out to me specifically that I want to share. And in verse five, let me get there. It says, Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God, lowercase, and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down to the lowest parts of the ship and laid down, and he was fast asleep. So to me, first stuck up is that every one of those that had different gods. They had different belief systems. They had different uh, ideas. And here Jonah is fast asleep, nowhere to be found, and these guys are, these guys are freaking out, That's as they would, as I would. And it's all about boats. Why do I always have something about a boat? I really don't like boats. So I mean, God's trying to tell me something. Maybe I'm running away from being in a boat. Maybe, that, well, maybe that's what I'm taking from this. Anyway... Then later down the line, after all this, we're trying to figure out what's going on, how they talk. They said, therefore, they cried out to the Lord. This is the same group of people that are crying out to their gods. Therefore, they cried out to the Lord, saying, we pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life. Do not charge us for this innocent blood for you. O Lord, have done it to please you. So they picked Jonah up and threw him in the sea. And they ceased its raging, and the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord. Took vows. So what I took from this is even though Jonah was, was disobedience, disobedient, because it first says Jonah's disobedience, within that, God still used it to bring people to him. And I took that as like the pressure of always, am I in God's will? Or am I doing what God wants me to do? Am I always, am I, have I arrived there? I, I think it is a journey to get to where God wants you to be because I kind of think that God knew Jonah would do that. So I think that it's in the plan to take roads that may not seem like it's the right road and, and to be okay with that and to know that even in disobedience, because you can ask my mom, I've disobeyed a few times, <laughs> but even in that, um, you know, God can still work and still bring people to him because the whole crew, I don't know how many people there were, it didn't say, maybe there was a hundred. I don't know how many there were. Maybe it was 200. I don't know how many fit on that boat. Maybe it was only 12. But either way, those 12 people found God because Jonah chose not to follow the call on his life. So even in disobedience, so that's, that's where I want to leave off. Even in, in the disobedience, God can use you. So don't discredit yourself if you feel like I haven't listened to the word of God. I haven't followed exactly what he told me to do yet because it is a journey. And, and I'm sure Jonah... Uh, can relate to that and where he actually ended up. Oh, you already got one. There you go. 
My neck. Yeah. Um, so something that stuck out to me just reading through the whole book of Jonah is time and time again, there's certain nuances that continued throughout the book that he used the most unlikely person or circumstance for his kingdom plan and for his glory. And we see this time and time again with scripture when we see David and his brothers and he was the only one that wasn't even considered to be king yet he was the one that God chose. Um, We see it with Paul when he encountered the Lord. He persecuted Christians before, but then all of a sudden he encountered God and he started bringing people to Christ and he was a mighty man of God in the New Testament. So Jonah just fits right in there for me with being the most unlikely, yet the Lord still used him. And despite of his disobedience, um, there was never a moment during the story that the Lord didn't have his hand moving. Um, One of the things that stuck out to me is he even used the lots when the sailors were casting lots to point them to Jonah. Um, He used the great fear of the Lord in the sailors, or in the, yeah, in the sailors, um, they said, please, Lord, don't let us perish because if this man's life and don't charge us with innocent blood for you, Lord, have done just as you please. I love how the Lord even used Jonah's disobedience to get these men to pray. Like, like he said, we don't know how many men there were, um, but for a lot of them, if not all of them, it was their first time praying to God. So jo- or the Lord used Jonah in that. Um, they understood the power of their God. And after the storm stopped, they sacrificed and made vows to God. Um, when Jonah was in the belly of the fish, the Lord took him to his lowest point, And I think his prayer was so powerful because It was a prayer out of desperation to the Lord, and those prayers are so powerful. We see David through Psalms as he's crying out to the Lord, and Jonah as he cried out to the Lord. And this is the first time in the book that we see Jonah really have a holy reverence for the Lord, and just a glimpse of him starting to see the Lord rightly um, and have that holy reverence. So those are just a couple things that stuck out to me when I was looking at the Lord having his hand over every situation that was unlikely to bring him glory, yet he used them for his glory. Um, And just a little recap of everything. I got to the end of Jonah, and I've talked to these guys, and as a kid, you hear the story of Jonah. And I was studying it this week, and I guess I never really realized until recently that Jonah's heart didn't change after the people repented and were saved. And I guess that's something that I kind of always assumed that they just did and it happened naturally. Um, But how easy it can be to have that outlook on our own Nineveh, because our walk doesn't look exactly like Jonah's, but we all have our own Nineveh. Um, And just a reminder of our heart posture and how we're called to be as Christians. So my prayer is that he accomplishes his purpose for me through me by the power of his spirit and that my heart starts to mirror the heart of Christ. So I don't know. I think everybody here kind of had the same opinion. When I read through Jonah, I haven't read really through Jonah. I just heard the stories when I was a kid and I kind of stuck with that as my mentality. So reading through Jonah this week, I'm like, I'm, I'm mind blown that you know, he, 
he, I always looked at it as he was scared to go to Nineveh, like just deathly afraid to go to Nineveh. And for whatever reason that was, and when you really study the scripture, it's saying these people were terrible to his people and they were scared. You know, they were very scary to him. But, you know, you see his heart posture in, he didn't necessarily want to see these people get saved. I mean, I think that throughout life, we all have that, you know, the, it's a continual process with the Lord to soften our hearts towards people that have done us wrong. And uh, to see Jonah, that was something that stuck out to me, and I learned something, so that was awesome. Um, and then I want to start in chapter one, kind of hit on that, and then kind of give an overall view of what I took away from Jonah. So in chapter one, in the first three verses, two times, he says he wants to flee from the presence of the Lord. Now... That's something, and at one time in my life, I thought I could flee from the presence of the Lord. But you find out very quickly when you encounter Jesus, there is no fleeing from the presence of the Lord. And uh, I likened it also a lot to, for some reason, it just the Psalms, David, kind of fit into this very well for me. So I wanted to read Psalms 139, 7 through 10 here, where it says, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. So that really stuck out to me, is there is no place we can flee from the presence of the Lord. And then um, I wanted just to give a overall two things that really stuck out to me reading through Jonah again and again and again. And for me, um, just the overall theme of Jonah is a depiction of the second we live, we give our lives to Christ, we are dead. Our flesh is dead. Our desires are dead. Um, our wants are dead. Like we, we leave everything at that cross, pick up, follow him. So if that means go to a city that we don't like and preach the gospel and call them unto repentance, that is what we are to do. And uh, Jesus in Matthew gives the perfect depiction of this mentality that we are all to have. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And then also in Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So right there is this we are, we are to carry out his will, no matter our thoughts, no matter what, you know, I think I'm, a, I'm somebody who tends to be more of a, I like to control the situations. That's my personality, you know. And, um, you know, the Christian walk is, a, is one of dying to ourselves in a faith. And we have to totally trust that he knows everything that's going to happen along the way. And... Um, he, like you said, the, the mariners were all saved because of his um, disobedience, but the Lord still used that. It's a walk, it's a walk of faith. And then um, I would say here, God had a purpose before, for Jonah before Jonah was even alive. And that's the same for every single person sitting here today. You know, he knew exactly why Jonah was born and what he was to you. And he used his disobedience and his obedience. And that's a beautiful picture. And then uh, the second overall theme that I got from this book was um, 
just God's love and his mercy for his people. Um, even Jonah said this at, towards the end in verse, or chapter 4. He said, For I know you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one that relents from doing harm. So even Jonah in his disobedience knew the character of God. And um, I think Jonah could even tell the outcome even at the beginning. He knew that God, who God was, and uh, that if he was going to preach this message, there's probably a good chance that the, he was going to save these people. And, um, you know, we see throughout the story here, he was merciful to Jonah, even in his disobedience. He was merciful to the mariners, and he was merciful to the people of Nineveh, which you, if you go on to read Nahum, um, a couple chapters later, you really get a look inside of the people of Nineveh and how evil they were, how mean they were. And, uh, you know, eventually Nineveh, a couple generations later, would actually go on to get destroyed. But that's how merciful and loving our God is that he gave this generation, if they repented, another chance. So those are kind of my overall takeaways from the book of Jonah. Well, me. Uh, so what really stuck out to me was really more of Jonah chapter 3. Um, so I'm just going to go through it a little bit and talk about what really stuck out. So um, a little context. You obviously know in chapter 1, God said to Jonah, go to, Nine go to Nineveh to call them out on their evil, all that stuff. Um, so Jonah 3 verse 1 is where I'm starting. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God, and they called for a fast, putting on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. So, um, in, the, in chapter 1, we can go back there and look at it, but the Lord tells Jonah to call them out on their evil. And then Jonah comes out and says, 40 days, you're going to be overthrown. Don't think that's exactly what God said, but, you know, Jonah did his own thing. Um, the people of Nineveh still heard the word, even though it wasn't exactly what God said, because Jonah was imperfect. He was not a perfect speaker, not a perfect listener, not very happy about what he was doing at all. Uh, kind of like Sabrina said, he was angry the entire time. Um, so... God still used that, though. So what really stuck out to me with that is even though Jonah didn't like these people, didn't want to be there, didn't want to talk, didn't want to do what the Lord had called him to do, he still was used by God. Um, a little context, if you're not aware, uh, Nineveh was one of the largest cities of the Assyrian Empire, uh, one of the biggest enemies of Israel. 
it was, I think Nate and I were talking, like a 2,500-mile journey uh, from Jonah's whole trip from running away from Nineveh to Tarshish and getting swallowed up and, and on his journey there. Um, going that distance, you have a lot of time to think. <laughs> you have a lot of time to talk with God, to release that anger. But he didn't. Um, so, yet God still used him. So that really stuck out to me is like, even if you don't like the people, even if you are, even if they're your greatest enemy, right? Because if you think about it, they were most likely attacking Israel, raiding their crops, killing people, capturing people. Um, most likely Jonah was in some way, shape, or form affected by them in a negative way. Uh, he still was used by God to have them repent. And it says later on in the chapter um, that it even reached the king and the nobles and they put out a decree that everyone in Nineveh will wear a sackcloth. No one shall eat. They shall fast for the Lord. And that God saw that they turned from their wicked ways and he still brought, um, turned, the, turned their evil away from him. And he relented. So um, I think for me, the biggest encouragement for that was like, no matter if you don't like them, you don't like the people, if you're doing what the Lord says, whether how bad you do it or how great you do it, he can still use it as long as you take that step. Because Jonah could have just ran away again, right? Yeah, he could have just turned back. Um, fun fact, Tarshish is over in Spain. So he went from Israel to try to go to Spain to get away rather than just up the road. So, yeah. That is very interesting. I did not know that. <laughs> he was like, I'm out and I'm not even going anywhere close. Um, DJ's letter right up to the verses that I want to talk about. At the end of chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Chapter 4. This, this change of plans greatly upset Jonah and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. I had never read, read it like that before. I think I just like skimmed over it. But what's very interesting to me is, I think it was Nate who said it. He like recognized who the Lord was. And he was fully aware of the character of God. So that wasn't a problem in his life. He knew who God was. He knew what God could do, what God would do. 
But the interesting verse to me is 4 verse 3 that says, Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. And it made me think, have I ever been in a situation where my reputation mattered more than seeing someone come to Jesus? Or have I ever made a decision that my opinion and what I looked like to other people ever came above what God told me to do? And, and then I began to think of the fear of man and how so often we make decisions of, well, the Lord told me that I needed to pray for healing for the cashier at Walmart, but I was scared that I would look dumb. And I think sometimes we get so caught up in our own heads and, and pride takes over and we realize that I mean more than what Jesus could do to them or for them right now. And that was hard for me because I began to think of situations in my life where I did that. And um, similarly to them, I've actually been thinking about David. And um, I heard this perspective the other day, which was really interesting to me. Someone was talking about where he was dancing in front of the ark and his wife got offended because he was dancing without his clothes and all of that. And the sermon that I heard, they said, sometimes you're not offended with what they're doing. You're offended that they're more free than you are. And I was like, oh, okay. So, I mean, that completely changed my perspective. And I began to think of times that like maybe their dancing during worship wasn't actually, it was making me uncomfortable because I was mad that I'm not that free. And so um, thinking about Jonah and, and maybe like hearing the context of all of it and stuff and he was, um, they were free. They came to freedom, they came to know Jesus, and they, the kings were putting out decrees that this is what they needed to do because it meant so much to them. And the transformation that they saw was so important that no animal or person could eat or drink. It was a fast for everyone. That was how big of a deal this was. And even that big of a transformation still didn't touch the offense that was in Jonah's heart. And so I just want to challenge you today like, I've been thinking of a puzzle. And have you ever been doing a puzzle and someone comes in and puts in the last piece and you freak out? <laughs> I've done that to my mom. I've done that to my grandma. I've done that to my other grandma. Like, the whole deal. I've totally done that to people. And I've also been the person that gets really mad whenever someone puts in the piece. And I think sometimes, most of the time, people, all they're missing is one piece. And we want the glory of being able to put that in, but maybe we just plant a seed or maybe we just do something else. We don't always have to have the glory of as big of a thing as we've imagined um, because quite honestly, it's not about us. And what Jonah didn't realize was it really wasn't about him, but he was so distracted on what's my reputation gonna look like? If what I said to them doesn't come true, what am I gonna look like to them? Well, guess what? It doesn't matter because they know Jesus. And so I just want to encourage you as we move forward in life, as you're doing evangelism, as you're bringing people to Jesus, it's not about you. And to be quite honest, that takes a lot of pressure off. I feel way better when I know that it's not about me. Because as much as I think it's about me, that'll just make me stress out, panic, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's not about me, it's about people knowing Jesus. So that was what I got out of Jonah. Um, one thing that I wanna do before we wrap it up here is I want every person give one practical takeaway 
of what the Lord gave you, of what you've studied. And I want us to leave here on a note of this is how I'm going to apply what the Lord just spoke to me. I can go first, and mine is that I'm going to step into uncomfortable situations to share Jesus with the people who tells me who he tells me to talk to. And I'm going to put down the fear of man, and I'm going to walk in the freedom that he's bought for me. And uh, mine is that I'm going to continue this journey and continue to get to the place where God's called me to be, even if I've taken different paths to get there. Yeah, going along my theme of him being able to use unlikely circumstances or at times unlikely people for his glory, I would just say for me and for all of you not to discredit yourself. I would say for me it would be embrace the pruning that the Lord wants to do. Um, as As we get in his presence continually, daily, and allow his presence to overwhelm us, he, he wants to prune us. He wants to get rid of those selfish ambitions, those wrong ways of thinking. So really embrace those things, pray into them, and seek them continually. Um, for me, I think the biggest takeaway is going to be no matter who it is, no matter what it is, no matter where it is, or how, it, how it, the Lord wants it done, if he's telling you to do something, no matter how uncomfortable it is, no matter how much you don't like that person, just do it. Because one way or another, he's going to use it. Awesome. Well, this has been an honor to share with you guys and to give you a little bit of our perspective as a team and um, to share our thoughts on Jonah. Um, I just want to say thank you guys for supporting us as a team from the bottom of all of our hearts. We genuinely are honored to do life with you, to walk with you, to worship with you, and um, it's really fun, and it's fun to get to do it together. So um, I have a few announcements this morning, just one that men's ministry this Saturday, the 10th, at 9 a.m. in the Family Life Center, you're having a breakfast It doesn't say breakfast in my message, so I asked Nate, and he told me it was steak. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) It's breakfast, I'm pretty sure. He never clarified that. Yes, breakfast. Um, Breakfast at 9 a.m., men, 16 and up. It's going to be an amazing time of connecting and eating and hearing from the Lord together, so that is really great. Um, Growth track is going on this month. If that is something, if you are new to the summit, um, please talk to Pastor Phyllis because um, we'd love to get you connected the growth track and then one other thing if baptism is something that's been on your heart the waters are warm every single week um, come see one of our team one of our staff because we would love to get you connected we always have clothes back there for you to get into the waters of baptism so we can come together and celebrate new life and what the lord is doing in your life um So on that note, the offering bucket is in the back. If this is your home church, that is back there. And we are so excited to see what the Lord is going to do in you and through you throughout this next week. And so we just bless you. Thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity to be here, to worship you together, to hear your word together, to hear the different perspectives in our house that come out of who we are, the people who we don't normally hear from on Sunday morning. So we just thank you for what you're speaking and what you're doing and who you're drawing to us and who you're sending out 
And so I just thank you for your presence and your grace and your mercy. Would you protect us and bring us back safely next week? In Jesus' name, amen. Have a blessed week, guys. If you enjoyed today's message, I would like to encourage you to like it and share it on all social media platforms or jump on the website, thesummitdover.com or the app and click the giving link and help us continue to share the message of the kingdom across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.